Thank you for checking out this video. My name is Lindsay, and I'm so excited that you're here for this message from Redemption Church. Good morning again, everybody. Welcome to our live stream. If you don't know me, my name is Stephen. I'm so glad that you're here with us this morning on the live stream. We're going to continue on in our study of the book of James. And so if you have a Bible, you can open up to that right now, or you can uh, scroll there on your phone or on your computer. Uh, somebody in your house right now, go run and grab some communion elements. We're going to take communion together today uh, at the end of our time together. We'll do communion every week together, actually. So just get prepared with whatever elements you have in the house to, to go ahead and take communion together. We believe the Bible is as relevant today as the day that it was written. And it's one of our firm beliefs around here as a church. And so this morning, we're going to look in uh, just at some verses in the book of James and see what James, who was the brother of Jesus and the leader of the church in Jerusalem, one of the early apostles, what he has to say, particularly about how do Christians handle trouble or times of trouble. And that's where we started off last week. And we read this verse, or we ended in this verse last week. This is verse four. Uh, of James chapter one, it says, and let steadfastness or endurance have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So let me recap last week. There's trouble that exists in the Christian life, but there's a reason for joy in the midst of the trouble. We don't take joy in the trouble itself. Nobody likes tragedy. Nobody likes trial. Nobody likes temptation. But in the midst of that, there can be joy because of what's produced on the other side. We consider it joy because there's an opportunity to grow, as the verse says, to be perfect and complete, needing nothing. The perfect and complete is just a fancy way of saying being more mature or being more like Jesus. And so we take joy in what the trial can do in us and through us that on the other end, we can look more like Jesus. That's what this particular verse says. It says to let steadfastness have its full effect. The trial itself doesn't produce maturity. You and I can go through trial and be worse off on the other end. We can be less like Jesus on the other end because the testing might produce inside of us bitterness or anger or resentment towards God or another person. No, the trial has its full effect. Endurance, therefore, has its full effect when we successfully move through the trial. And so that's the aim, to successfully move through the trial, that let endurance have its full effect so that you and I might look more like Jesus on the other side. Now let's hop down to James chapter 1, verse 12. Verse 12 says this, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And so in verse four, it says, let endurance have its full effect. And then in verse 12, it says, blessed are those who endure, who let endurance have its full effect, that there is a crown of life that God has promised to those who endure during the trial, who successfully make it during the trial. Just enduring the trial doesn't mean anything successfully enduring the trial is what means 
everything. That's what produces spiritual maturity inside of us. Now, James 5, 1, 5 through 11, uh, almost seem to go in a different direction as you're just reading through the book. And so the best way for us to understand this is verses 5 through and uh, 11 are a parentheses uh, between verses 4 and 12. And what they do is they help us get from verse 4 to verse 12. Verse 2 tells us there's a trial. Verse 4 tells us to let endurance have its full effect. Verse 12 tells us there's a blessing. There's a crown of life on the other side. Verses 5 and 11 teach us how to get there. So this morning, what I want to talk about is how do we have stability in the midst of the storm? And right now, some of us, our lives are pretty unstable. Do I have a job? Do I not have a job? Is my income coming or is it going? Is, are they sick? Is it the virus or is it something else? What am I going to do with these kids every day for the next two weeks? There's questions. There's instability. And for some of us, the pendulum in our life right now feels like it's swinging back and forth like crazy, where every bit of news, every new closure feels like it's producing more and more instability in our life. This text teaches us how to stay stable in the middle of the storm. How to stay stable in leading your family. How to stay stable in your relationships. How to stay stable in your mind and in your heart. What the text is presenting is that there's this, uh, there's this danger for the Christian that once we uh, get into the midst of the storm, uh, that our, our pendulum starts swinging. And so one time we're fearful, then we have faith. Uh, we're afraid, uh, but then we trust. God's got this, God doesn't. God's way maker, God's disappeared. God's gonna take care of me. I feel all alone. And it produces this instability in our lives. So how? How do we stay stable in the midst of the storm? Well, James teaches us how to do that in verses 5 through 11 so that we might arrive at verse 12. Here's what he says. If any of you lacks wisdom, let me clarify. You do lack wisdom. <laughs> we all lack wisdom. I think James was trying to be nice. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom. Now, I, I taught an entire series on wisdom last year, uh, including this passage. And so if you got a lot of time on your hands right now, which you might, uh, you can go back uh, at experienceredemption.com. You could watch an entire series based out of this one verse if you need wisdom. But I want to hit it from a different angle today. If you need wisdom, you do need wisdom. We all need wisdom right now. We need wisdom on how to act, on, 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 on what to think, on um, how to view God, on how to to treat our spouses right now, how to parent our kids, how to lead families, all of these things. We need wisdom right now in the midst of the storm. And so if you need wisdom, the word there, wisdom, is Sophia. If you need special insight into God's ways, if that's something you might need right now, there's a way to get it. Now let's talk about wisdom here for a second. Biblical wisdom is a coming together of knowledge and discernment. 
And so when biblical knowledge meets uh, Holy Spirit discernment, it produces wisdom. On the other side uh, uh, of going through the process of obtaining knowledge and discernment is wisdom. And the way to be stable in the midst of the storm is to have an adequate, sufficient supply of godly wisdom. And so when you need wisdom, when you need wisdom, go get knowledge. Go get biblical, godly knowledge. Let me tell you about your quarantine. Your quarantine is correct when you're consuming more Christian content. Your quarantine is, can have its full effect when you're consuming as much Christian content as you can. And some of you are like, listen, I've been watching a lot of Little House on the Prairie. Doesn't count. There are sermons to listen to. There are studies to get into. There are books to be read. There are podcasts to download. There's the Bible to get to know. 1,189 chapters of it. 30-something thousand verses. 66 different books, all pointing to Jesus and his redemption and his gospel. Let this time be a time of incredible content consumption where you're gaining knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. You're listening to it. You're watching it. You're reading it. And you're consuming it. And it's coming into you. It's getting into your mind. It's getting into your heart. It's it's speaking to your soul. You're consuming content. And then when you consume that content, then you're, you're gaining the proper knowledge. And by the way, you're probably consuming a lot of content. The question is, is it the right content? There's so much content available right now, right? Uh, we get it on our phones. We get it on Netflix. We get it on all those um, TV shows. And I'm, listen, I'm watching Netflix like the rest of you right now. But are you consuming enough of the right content? Is the right stuff getting in so that you might get the right knowledge? See, if knowledge is a combination, I'm sorry, if wisdom is a combination of knowledge and discernment, well, then it has to be the right knowledge and the right discernment. In other words, it has to come from the right source. So gain knowledge through the scriptures, through other avenues. And then when you gain the knowledge, that knowledge connects, it comes together with discernment. If you need wisdom, he says, ask. Well, what does it mean when we ask God of anything? What do we call that? Prayer. We call that prayer. And so in this season right now of the world, in this season of your life right now, what's happening with your prayer life? Is it more than ever before? Is there time where you're just saying, you know what, I've got this time, I'm home. Uh, What if I mark out more time than I've ever marked out before? Daniel was one of the wisest men in the Bible. Why? Why? He spent so much time in prayer. He set it up so that three times a day he was stopping to pray. You look at that and you say, well, maybe that was just ritualistic. No, maybe it was the only way Daniel knew how to get through his day. I have to pray three times a day because I need this prayer time to give me the discernment I need up to that point. And then I need that prayer time to give me the discernment I need up to that point, And then I need that prayer time to get me to the next prayer time. How's your prayer life right now? If you need wisdom, ask. Prayer is asking. And so when we pray then, what happens is the Holy Spirit takes the knowledge that we've just obtained, begins to work it out in our hearts, uh, in our minds, and our souls, and discernment then begins to be produced through the content. 
And so when you have questions about what do I do? How do I lead? Well, when you have questions about where is this fear coming from? Why am I so anxious? You grab the proper biblical knowledge uh, and then the Holy Spirit through prayer comes down and filters that out and it produces discernment on the other side. Now, biblically, another way to grab discernment is through conversation with godly people. That's why we have life groups or uh, that's why we have pastors. If you want to connect right now, we can uh, set up Zoom meetings and, and make sure uh, that you have a place to properly um, um, discuss what you're feeling, what you're going through. Uh, but, but through godly, godly discernment, right? Uh, through the Holy Spirit, through the proper knowledge, then it begins to produce wisdom. If you need wisdom, ask. Well, who? Who am I asking? Ask our generous God. I've used this metaphor before. It's one of my favorites. When I was growing up, uh, I was in school. We used to sell candy bars to help raise money for our school. And they were called the world's finest candy bars. That's what the label said. And they were actually pretty good. I mean, these, these pretty good candy bars. And I was a pretty ambitious elementary student. And so I knew if I sold enough candy bars, I got to get a day off of school or I got to go to Cedar Point. And so the moment I got the candy bar, I wanted to go sell the candy bars. And so what I would do uh, is after school, the first day, I'd get my box of candy bars and I'd just go to all the neighbors and I'd try to sell them candy bars. And here's what happened. If you knocked on three doors, one would answer. And so if you knocked on six doors, two people would answer. And out of those two people that answered, typically one of them would buy, right? This is typical sales. And then when they did buy, they'd buy one or two or three. If you hit the jackpot, maybe they give you a $5 bill. And so you go around and you'd ask for the sale and you get a couple people who would answer. And out of the people who would answer, a couple would buy. And out of the couple people who would buy, a couple of them would buy more than one. But there was one person, it was actually my grandpa, who you wanted to go to his house, knock on the door, give him the pitch to buy the candy bars because two things were going to happen. One, he was always going to buy and he was always going to buy however much was in the box. And so you didn't want to show up at his house with only six in the box. You wanted to show up at his house with like 50 in the box because you knew however much you needed to get rid of, he was going to purchase. He was always going to buy and he was always going to buy a lot. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. What is the generous God? The generous God is the God who always answers the door, who always buys and who always buys a lot. Which means when we go to God to ask him for wisdom, he's not going to sometimes answer the door, sometimes answer the prayer. He's not going to give you just a little bit of wisdom. He's going to give you as much as you need. And so when life is crazy, when you're feeling unstable, it's the perfect time to go to him in prayer because he's always going to answer. He's always going to give you a sufficient answer and he's going to give you as much wisdom as you need for the time. When you need wisdom, ask our generous God, the one who's always going to give the answer. Why? Because when, when we're lacking wisdom in a situation, what happens? What happens when we're lacking wisdom in the midst of a scary situation? Our fear begins to rise. Our hope begins to diminish. And when we're taking steps, we don't know, is this step getting me closer to the end point or is it taking me further away? And then eventually our strength begins to dwindle. 
I was out in Colorado. This was years ago now. And uh, whenever I would go out to Colorado, this was my routine. I would wake up relatively early in the morning and I would grab an apple or granola bar. I would eat that and then I would drive out someplace to climb some mountains by myself. And so one particular morning I was out there and I dropped my car off at the starting point of the mountain and uh, then I was going to go on this two hour hike and the hike was a loop. And then at the end of these hikes, what I would do is I would go to, uh, I think it's called Size Dinner in Colorado Springs and I would get a jalapeno burger and a peanut butter shake, which was the reward for doing the hike. And so one particular morning, I arrive at the place uh, and I get out and I do my two hour hike. But my two hour hike turns into a four hour hike. Then my four hour hike turns into a six hour hike. Somewhere between hours, let's call it four and six, fear started to rise. Hope started to diminish. And I didn't know, is the step I'm taking right now, is this a step that's taking me closer to my goal or further away from my destination? Am I getting closer to size or am I getting further away? Am I getting closer to my strength being restored or am I getting further away? Every step was a mystery. And I'm in the mountains of Colorado. After about four hours, I was a little scared. I was actually more than a little scared. At that point, I started playing all of the little mind games, right? I'm going to die out here. They're going to have to call a helicopter. That's going to cost $50,000. That's, that's pretty bad too. I'm going to get lost. There's going to be a search party. Your mind starts to run rampant. Fear, high, hope, low. And so as I'm out walking on this mountain, hiking around this mountain, we're at you know, three hours, four hours, five hours, six hours. Um, all of a sudden I see this guy. And this guy looks like the guy that's been on the mountain. Okay, kind of looks like our kid's pastor, Jake, right? And, but he's got like, you know, the, the, the nice mountain clothes and he's got the walking sticks and he's got the backpack and all of that kind of stuff. And I see this guy and I said, sir, um, I need some help. And he said, well, what are you trying to do? I said, I'm trying to go on a two hour hike. And he said, well, great. How long have you been on the hike? I said, about six hours. I think I might have gotten lost somewhere. And he said, well, where did you start the hike? And I told him where I started the hike. And he said, how did you end up here? I don't know. I said, how do I get back? And this guy told me exactly what to do. He said, well, you can turn around and you can do this. And that's going to take you about four hours to get back. Uh, or if you do this shortcut and you go to that way, it's going to take you about two hours to get back. So I asked him for the directions. He gave me a very clear set of directions. And in two hours, I got back to my destination. And right before I left the guy, I'm walking away and he goes, hey, hold on. He goes, you might want these. And he tossed me like these like healthy, good for you fruit snacks that were like energy burst. And uh, all of a sudden, my strength began to restore. Imagine had I been walking out on that mountain Lost now for six hours, fear like actually on the rise, hope like diminished that I'm ever going to get back. I've been lost for hours now and I see this guy walking who clearly has the wisdom to get me off of the mountain and I would have just walked right by him without saying anything. If right now fear seems high, hope seems low, you're not sure what path you're on and your strength is beginning to dwindle in the midst of the trial or the storm, you have a God who knows how to get you where you need to be. Ask him. 
As foolish as it would have been for me to walk by that guy is as foolish as it is for us to not in this time right now or any time of trouble to stop and ask our generous God because when he responds, our hope begins to rise. Our fear then begins to diminish. Our path then knows I might not get back notice. The guy didn't say, let me snap my fingers and get you back to your car. There were still a two-hour hike that I had to go. Just because I knew where I was going now, just because I knew there was an end point, didn't mean that the storm stopped, but now I had hope in the midst of it. My fear was gone and my strength had been restored and my steps now had purpose again because I knew where they were taking me. Your steps can have purpose in the middle of the storm because you know where they're taking you. They're taking you to a place of fuller maturity in Christ. They're taking you to a place where you can rely on Jesus Jesus more there uh, and as you're walking now your your faith can rise your fear can drop your hope can come up and you can have the strength you need to get back to the destination so you can get into your car you can eat the jalapeno burger drink the shake and experience the reward found in James chapter 1 verse 12 if you need wisdom ask our generous God he will Give it to you. He's going to tell you how to get back to where you got to go. And it might not mean the storm ends right then, but at least now you know where you're headed. If you need wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Ah, But let him ask in faith. I'm in verse 6 now. James 1 verse 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, with no doubting. There's faith or there's doubts. There's, I'm singing Waymaker and he's working even when I don't see it. Um, or there's, God, you must have abandoned me. Some of us right now, we're in this time where we're like, God, everything before all of this was so good. You were answering prayers. It's 2020. It's the year of double vision. It's the year of God's great abundance. Uh, you were doing all of these things. You were, you were, there were miracles in my life and this was growing and that was growing and I was feeling great. Then all of this came and the bottom fell out. Some of us, uh, we had this belief, right? And I even preached on this a couple weeks ago to speak faith into the promises of God. And then all of a sudden the trial showed up and it's like, whoa, God, where did you go? But if you read the scriptures, oftentimes the path to double, oftentimes the path to where God is taking you always goes through the valley. And so maybe... When we were saying that 2020 is the year of God's great abundance, it's the, the year of double vision, right? Oh, this doesn't mean it's not. It just might mean that we were measuring the wrong things. We were asking for double in the wrong places. This could exactly be the year of double. It could exactly be the year of God's great abundance. We're just walking through the trial to get there. And he's faithful in it. But when we ask, we need faith. It says, in faith, no doubts, no doubting. He's faith and doubting, they can't come together. Where there is faith, there's no doubts. Where there's doubts, there's little faith. It says, when you ask 
ask in faith with no doubting. Why? Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. And so the metaphor here is a wave and the wave responds to the wind and the wind is faith and it's a reverse correlation. As your faith goes down, the wind goes up, therefore driving the instability in your life. As your faith goes up, the wind goes down, therefore creating calm and peace in our lives. And so in this story that James is writing, we've got faith and we've got waves and we've got wind. He says, when we ask, but we have doubts, when we say, God, uh, you're way maker and I trust you, but then uh, the, the next moment where God, I wonder where you went, uh, when we say, I'm a person of great faith, but then um, we spend our days in fear, the instability. He says, when you ask in faith, ask without doubting, because the more we doubt, the more the wind comes up, and the more then it rocks us back and forth. Now, this idea of faith and wind and waves wasn't original to James. James learned this kind of language from somebody else. I'm actually going to switch Bibles here. Now, this is the 1986 NIV version. Great year. I was born that year. That's why it's a great year. Matthew chapter 8, if you got a Bible. Matthew chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 23. You're going to see some faith and some wind and some waves. Then he, Jesus, got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Notice who got into the boat first. Jesus got into the boat first. And disciples do what disciples do. They follow Jesus. And so if Jesus gets into a boat, we're supposed to follow him. If Jesus gets into a boat that's going to walk into a storm, then we're supposed to follow him. It also means that Jesus goes in first. So we follow Jesus. We follow him whether we're going onto the storm or whether we're going into the calm. So Jesus gets into the boat. Verse 24, I love this. Without warning, without warning, some texts say suddenly, but I like this one, without warning. And this is how this has felt to some of us. Like all of a sudden, I didn't have a job. All of a sudden, health was a scary thing. All of a sudden, without warning, it's like, where did this come from? Everything was good. As people said, it was the best of times and now it's the worst of times. Without warning. Without warning for who? For you. Without warning, yes. But not without warning for him. It wasn't sudden to him. It wasn't without warning to Jesus. He knew what he was getting into. It didn't scare him. It didn't make him nervous. It didn't catch him off guard. None of this has caught him off guard. It might be without warning for us, but it's not without warning for him. It might seem all of a sudden to us, but he knew when he got into that boat what he was headed into. And so I know it might feel without warning for you. I know it would have been nicer if we would have had something that said, hey, just so you know, uh, three months from now, economy is going to crash. Hey, just so you know, six months from now, right? A couple months ago, uh, it's going to be scary to leave the house. But I wish we would have known. He did know. Might have been without warning for us. Wasn't without warning for him. Without warning, a furious, a ferocious, a scary, a fear-inducing storm came up on the lake. Just came on up out of nowhere. So that the waves swept over the boat. 
So the waves now, wind and the waves, right? The waves now are crashing against the boat and they're creating instability for all who are inside the boat. And Jesus is sleeping. The disciples went, <laughs> they said, you got to get woke. And they woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. We're going to drown. Uh, God, uh, you just did an incredible miracle. In, in fact, uh, you just healed a whole bunch of people. Like this is one of your greatest miracles. You healed a whole bunch of people. We got into the boat. It was the best of times. Now without warning, there's a storm. You're asleep. Wake up. We're going to die. I'm drowning. I'm scared. I'm afraid. We're going to die. He goes on in verse 26 and he replies, what? You of little faith. You followed me into the boat. I knew what was coming. You followed me into the storm. I knew what was coming. You of little faith, right? So the story shows us again. As faith is down, the wind is up, the waves begin to crash, and instability ensues. You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Sometimes Jesus asks questions in the Bible that we actually have to stop and answer. Not to just see them in the context of the story, but to stop and ask ourselves, why are you so afraid? Why am I so Afraid. I know you have your answers. I know there's a long list of them, but Jesus is saying, if I'm here with you in the boat, if you followed me into this place, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? If you trusted me before, why now are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Jesus asked them. Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. So then Jesus stands up and he rebukes the wind. In other words, then the wind begins to dwindle and as the wind dwindles, then the waves dwindle and the calm ensues. Jesus then has control over the wind which produces the waves which causes the instability. So we have James saying, where's your faith? You got to ask in faith. You, you got James saying, when you don't ask in faith, the wind picks up and the waves begin to crash and instability is present in your life. Stealing from Jesus a story where faith got low so the winds got high and the waves crashed. But Jesus is Lord over the wind. Jesus is Lord over the wind. Here, here's, here's what I think that means. Jesus is Lord over the wind. Jesus is the Lord over faith. One text says that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Another text says that he is faithful when we are faithless. It means that in this season right now, if we want the calm to ensue, or if we want the calm to continue, if we want the calm to come back, or if we want the calm in the midst of all of this, doesn't mean we're at the end of our Storm doesn't mean that we've completely crossed the lake like in this story, but if we want the calm to come back, then the faith comes high. But here's the good news for those of us right now who have said, I don't know if I have enough faith. Jesus is the author and perfecter of faith. 
which means the only prayer that you might need to pray right now is the prayer that was prayed by the Father. Give me faith. Give me faith. I need faith right now. I need faith right now and let God bring the faith. Let Jesus give you the faith. Let Jesus fill your faith so that the wind will calm down, so that the waves might stop, so that you might be able to live in calm, so that when the question is asked, why are you so afraid? You can look back and say, I'm not anymore. I'm not. I'm not afraid anymore. I follow Jesus into this. Jesus is with me in it. My faith is high. The wind will stop. The calm will come. Doesn't mean you're back to the destination, but now the journey has purpose. Now the fear is down and the hope is up and you have all the strength that you need to get through it. You know, this isn't the only story with wind and waves and faith too. There's another one. (laughs) Guy by Peter. He's on a boat. Jesus is walking on the water and Peter goes, hey, if that's you, tell me to come on out. Peter comes on out. He starts walking. What does he do? The winds and the waves start to pick up. And as the wind picks up, right, his faith is dwindling. And Jesus says, Peter, where's your faith? Where's your faith? And it said that Peter's mind or his eyes got taken off of Christ. So what do we do right now? What do we do right now, friend? We keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We keep our eyes on Jesus who fills us with faith. And the more faith that rises up, the winds will fall and the calm, the calm will come. Not like the mountain story. Doesn't mean the storm is over. Doesn't mean I was immediately back at my destination. But it now means that I can walk back with a purpose. And so if we're going to walk through this storm, let's walk through it with a purpose. I need wisdom. I'm going to ask him for it. I'm going to ask him in faith. He's going to provide it to me. And I'm going to get to the destination. The blessing on the other side of looking and being more like Jesus. Thanks again for joining us today. If you'd like more information on our church, visit us online at experienceredemption.com.